0: Life good. Never on. Whoa. Hard. Hard, Hardly. Come on, Brent. Life good. real close. Hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they saved it
1: for her? Yes, they have. Who? Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott. Not alongside this week. Instead. Very pleased to have the professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft, alongside, who has quit on Ryan for all the abuse that he gets at the start of each episode. So he's come over to the friendly show. Uh, Jonathan, welcome aboard.
0: Thanks. I'm not getting any abuse here at all.
1: Uh, well, maybe maybe if you make some bad picks, maybe I'll say something then. But for the moment, <laughs> uh, you know, it's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, That's welcome. Uh, you know, welcome. This is our annual crossover podcast uh, that we've done, or at least the annual Bad Beer Bet. We've crossed over before to talk about the European Curling Championship, which kicks off on Saturday, the 19th of November. Jonathan, you're, of course, over in Europe, uh, so closer proximity to this. How big of an event uh, is this? Does this get any type of attention across any mainstream Sporting uh, networks or discussion.
0: Well, it's on Eurosport, so it's like the it's actually the one time of year that I can watch curling on TV legally. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. I can actually just turn on my TV and watch them curling. So right. it does not get huge coverage. I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but BBC because. Uh, I, I suspect, and most Scots strongly s- will state that because it's primarily a Scottish sport, and BBC is very focused on English sport, it doesn't get as much coverage as it should. Especially right. given that it's one of the UK's top medal sports, but it'll get a little bit if you know where to dig on the BBC page. You might find a little, a little piece about Team Mallet or something.
1: Okay, so that's something you know, and the, it's weird too. Like, it, is there actually a difference like at the Olympics? When they're Team GB as opposed to Scotland, uh, does that actually make a difference in how people think about it in England?
0: Yeah, no, it, 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 you get a huge Olympic bump here, especially last last year because they did both teams did so well uh, or all three teams did so well. So yeah, you definitely get a bump, and there's a lot of curling on BBC when the the Olympics are on. But then it's I think it's probably like this for like basically every Olympic sport, right? Once the Olympics mm-hmm. are over. You know, I don't really follow beach volleyball outside of uh, the Olympics, but there's a tour there that I couldn't yeah. tell you anything about. So probably that's the same for for curling too, right? Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, I agree. It's the same thing. Yeah, there's there's sports you kind of fall into every four years, and yeah, for a lot of people, it is curling. But that's not us. We follow it all the time, and this week, all eyes will be on Sweden, the wonderful town of. Oostersund, uh, John, have you ever been to Oostersund?
0: Yes, for a junior B's coaching. Um, yeah. It's very dark there. If you have a sure. noon draw, I'm not sure. I was there in January. We, if you had a noon draw, you did not see the sun. Wow. Because the sun would rise about 10, 30, 11, <laughs> set about three. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My impression of Oostersund is dark.
1: Right. So you really <laughs> didn't see the town at all because there was no light.
0: It's, it was actually nice. It's like they've got really good coffee shop, which is surprising for how remote it is. And uh, being Sweden, they have a really good public transport system. It was, the, it was the first place in the world where I was ever able to tap using my, you know, the, the tap. I don't know if they do that in North yeah. America, the tapping with your card. So back at this would have been 2016, 2017, I could tap with my card, which to me was like space age technology on a right. bus in Östersund. So I was very nice. impressed by that.
1: That's good. Yeah. That is a big improvement over whatever local cards there are uh, to just be able to use a credit card. That's huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it all traces back to Sund, apparently. So good Probably. job, Sund. <laughs> you know, the leader, world sweet. leader in this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll go through the men's field, uh, rocks across the pond on their feed. Scott and Ryan are going to discuss the women's side of things. So we are going to discuss the men's side of things, in part, Jonathan, because you were just in Prague and you played a bunch of the teams, uh, more so on the B side, but one A team that uh, you are familiar with a lot of these teams from being an opponent.
0: Yeah, actually, so we played two A teams. We played Vez, who's the Spanish team, and Katagosh. I hope that's the right pronunciation, the Turkish men's team. And then... A few B teams, so we played the Lithu- uh, the sorry, the um, Estonian national team, the Hungarian national team, and was there one more national team? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, it was, it, the weekend was a blur. We played six games, uh, it, and it was pri- uh, most of the teams there were using it as a tune-up for Euros. So, right, um, it was a pretty you know, twenty-four team field. And there you, were there were some other, other strong European teams. That, we won money. We qualified, yeah, which is always nice. And uh, yeah. and Turkey sent us packing early on Sunday, so <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes.
1: But that's okay too. You get home, you know, you you won money. You get home early. Uh, there's really it seems like a good weekend.
0: Well, f- there's no earlier flight out of Pro- out of Prague, <laughs> so I I uh, some of the money was spent on the airport lounge at Vaslav Powell International <laughs> Airport, <laughs> which is helping a nice the local lounge, economy. So it's yeah. all right, yeah. helping the local <laughs> so, economy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so. Uh, in the A pool, there are 10 teams with the World Championship being held in Canada this year. It's actually held here, it's going to be held here in Ottawa. That means that there are eight spots up for grabs this week in the World Championship. So the top eight teams in the standings will earn spots in the Worlds. The bottom two teams are out. So there is no in between this year. It's either you are in the Worlds or you're relegated down to the B side. So uh, a lot of pressure, I suppose, on these teams, a lot up for grabs in addition to a European championship, which is very nice. So we're going to go through the field of 10 on the A side. I have put them in order that essentially is a power ranking of who I think can win. So let's start at the top with Bruce Mowat and his team. They went nine and zero last year. They are the defending champions of this event. Not a great start to the season, of course. You have had the the injury bug uh, on the front end there uh, this season. Only nine and nine last year. They only lost eleven games. This year they've already lost nine. Last event was the Swiss Cup Basel, where they lost in the semifinal to a uh, team Ramsfeld. Uh, Jonathan. What's the, your feeling so far on this team? Some, uh, some performances that we wouldn't have expected for them so far this season.
0: Yeah. I, I suspect a bit of Olympic hangover is, is my hunch.
1: <laughs> Plus yeah. the
0: injuries, I think. Uh, they, but they just have seen even like before the injuries, they had a pretty flat performance at the European super series, just their home ice, I think mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. And, uh, Home ice, they've been on the ice for six weeks at that point or whatever, maybe uh, at least a month. And uh, even that kind of seemed a bit flat. So, you know, maybe maybe the Euros get it going for them because there's, there's, uh, there's, there's funding attached to winning medals at these kinds of events too. So right. there's a bit of an incentive there. But yeah, I, I suspect it's mostly just Olympic hangover. Like, you know, they've got to wait another four years for their big goal. I think the other big thing, that team's gunning for is is a world so they haven't won that yet but they've already won two Europeans so perhaps that's that may not be much of a motivator but right you know that's probably what's going on in my mind
1: yeah and you know yeah you have a good summer after a really good season last year uh, yeah you come out with a bit of a slow start that's okay you look at the point differential for them scoring seven a game giving up 6.8 a game that's a lot more than you would expect them to give up given how well they can hit. Uh, so obviously that's going to be a point of emphasis for them this week if they want to have some success, to uh, improve on the defense. So uh, we'll have to see what happens with them and uh, whether or not the, the sweeping, uh, how, how that sort of goes with them and whether or not everyone's at full strength as we head into the week.
0: Yeah, I, I'm actually genuinely curious about that because that's, is Bobby lammy now going to be back sweeping? I'm not sure. Right. And then... I mean, how long does it take for a hand to heal? Something else I'm not 100% certain about.
1: Well, I mean, if you look at like baseball players, right, usually in a wrist injury, they talk about like a few months before they feel fully comfortable hitting again, right? And with a hand, you, you, it's a lot of pressure on your hands when you're sweeping, especially the way those guys do it. So, yeah, it it would be a a lengthy process, I would think, to get back to full strength.
0: Yeah, I I imagine. So that, that could be another factor too.
1: Yeah. So whereas, you know, me, if you know my hand hurts, it really doesn't make a difference when I sweep.
0: <laughs> matter, you know?
1: <laughs> so uh, let's go on to another team that uh, has a major injury issue, but I still have them at number two in my power rankings. Uh, the defending silver medalist, Nicholas Adeen, or at least team Adeen. They went seven and two last season. Their most recent event was in Penticton. They went uh, lost the semifinal to Matt Dunstone there. Thirty nine and six on the season, but the big news for this team is that Nicholas Dean, of course, is not playing. He underwent knee surgery following his injury, which he sustained during the warm up of the semifinals at the most recent Grand Slam, so Daniel Magnuson is going to step in on the roster. He is going to throw second stones. Oscar Eriksson is going to skip the team, and Rasmus Rana is going to throw third but sweep. So that will be the lineup for them this week. Jonathan, is this? I mean, Oscar Eriksson was a skip before joining Nicholas Adine. Is this like potentially a precursor to? maybe the next quad of Swedish curling where Oscar Erickson is going to go back to skip?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, I, I do think Nicholas Dean's had a lot of major surgeries. Yeah. So you wonder, you do wonder if, especially the, the load that, um, you know, some of these curlers who are just chucking rocks, you know, hundreds of rocks a day, if like their bodies just start to break down, we saw something similar with Eve in her hip too, right? pretty, pretty young for that; these kinds of injuries to pop up. Mm. So maybe I don't want to say that Nicholas Dean's done, but it, I'm a knee injury strikes me as a pretty long, probably a longer recovery than a hand for a curler. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I think a, yeah, I think there's a, I think you were said it last year. You thought Oscar Erickson was the goat not Nicholas Dean yeah. because he'd done so well in mixed doubles too. And his yeah. case for that, uh, he's they clearly haven't missed a beat on tour. So unlike the Maui team, they they you wouldn't even notice a difference in terms of performance. A, a bit of an advantage with the Swedish kind of setup where they have a national team is that it's not like in Canada where if you're pro- pulling in a sub, that player's got to learn new systems and everything else. Magnussen's been training with this team for years. He's often the alternate pretty familiar with the systems and they're pretty comfortable with each other. So I don't think it'll have that much of a negative impact on on team Sweden.
1: Yeah. I mean they've lost six games all year. Nicodine's been at the past few events. So they've they've been okay. I mean Oscar Erickson skipped the semifinal and final at the tour challenge and they won. Like he's really good. Yeah. He's he's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Let's move on then to Yannick Schwaller in the Swiss team. A uh, new lineup here, of course. Benoît Schwartz is throwing last with Yannick Schwaller skipping. Schwartz and Peter de Cruz were the team last year. They went four and five on the season so far. The team is 34 and 15. I have no idea how these teams are playing so many games. Uh, I I'm hurting thinking about the number of games that they're playing. Uh, last event was a quarterfinal uh, loss to Stefan Walstead at the Swiss Cup. For me, the big stat for this team, they have a hammer efficiency of 45. Uh, 0.45. So, uh very impressive uh there. You'd like to see it maybe a hair higher uh when they're playing some of the, the lesser ranked teams, but uh this is a team that's going to score some points. But uh, I don't know, Jonathan, are you fully in on this new lineup?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. They haven't what's their what was the result of the Slams? It wasn't quite as as dominant, right? But
1: um No. No. They haven't They've done great at the Slams, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that's the, <clears throat> like, there's, I, I still think there's a bit of a gap between the Dean and then say Schwaller and return right. That's right. You know, so, but with now it being a bit flat, maybe that creates a bit of an opportunity for one of these other two teams to kind of sneak into the, the metal game. And then once you're in the final, anything could happen. So I, I feel, I feel really good about this team like throughout the quad, like I think there are definite, you know, if you told me in four years' time or three and a half years' time they'd won the gold medal, that's that wouldn't be that surprising to me. But it's not like a Dean or Mallet where it's like same lineup, we're gonna roll it back out and be fine, right? right. There's a little bit of a breaking in period too.
1: Yeah, that that's true. I, I don't. I'm not quite as high on them, and maybe it's because. Like for four years and longer, we've kind of felt the same way about Peter de Cruz and Benoit Schwartz. Like, yeah, they're really good, but they never quite got over that hump. And is Yannick Schwaller and now Benoit Schwartz is that partnership going to be able to get over the hump? I don't know, uh, especially given how good the men's field is at the top. Like, it seems like such a such a high bar for them to cross. And given that. Ben Schwartz and Peter Cruz didn't. Like, I'm just not convinced that Yannick Schwaller is so much better than Peter Cruz that it's going to make that much of a difference.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't think the gap's that big, to be honest. You're, I think you're talking, you know. I mean, at this level, it's big, but it's not that big, right? It's a couple of percentage points at each position for shooting and stuff. Right. Okay. And- They'll have the opportunity to experience. And I, I actually really think, I think Benoit Schwartz is like ice in his veins when he throws. Like, I think it's, yeah. you know, he's still on the younger side, right? So yeah. he's the kind of guy who's going to mature into a really deadly skip, I think.
1: All right. Uh, so you mentioned the defending bronze medalist. That's who I have next. Joel Ray the Italian team six and three last year on route to that bronze medal. Last event was the Swiss cup and quarterfinal loss there. They are 36 and 11 on the season. Uh, what's interesting for me on this team is their defensive prowess. They have a 0.59 force and a 0.34 steel. So when they don't have the hammer, uh, they're not really giving up much. Uh, it's not really a huge disadvantage to them. So that is a huge benefit to them when playing teams that can score a lot of points. But uh, Jonathan, Jonathan, we talked a lot last year and you guys did as well about the ascendancy of Italian curling. Uh, do they make a, a bit of a statement here this week?
0: I think so. I was, I, I think A, the funding is going to pump in. So I suspect they're mostly, I think A, off the back of the gold medal last year for Mosener and Constantini, but B, also just the Olympic funding. So I suspect this team, um, is now probably fully funded and can just go curl full time which wasn't the case before so um that's kind of a big advantage and that's pro that's probably that's them close the gap right like one reason that mallet and uh Adin are so dominant is they're fully funded full time full supported so that takes a lot of pressure off whereas if you just go a little bit further down in the uh in the a pool there's a lot of uh countries that have to kind of scrape just to kind of get their curling covered so
1: yeah uh definitely and it's fun to see too right that gold medal seemingly out of nowhere uh the bronze medal last year at the euro seemingly out of nowhere and yeah as as they get the resources leading into 2026 it'll be fun to see uh where italian curling goes and i agree with you because when you look at the especially the bottom half of the a pool you would expect them to probably run the table or at least get four uh, of those wins against maybe the bottom five teams so if you can go four and one there, scratch mm. out a couple against the top four, go two and two, maybe if was, you know another six and three. Uh, again, as you said earlier, just get into the playoffs and then see what happens.
0: I think they could be Sweden or or Scotland this week. Like I, I wouldn't expect them to run the table, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had, they pulled off an upset in either round robin or the playoffs against one of those teams either.
1: I, I I agree. So uh let's go move on to Stefan Wallstad and the Norwegian team. Five and four last year. They were the other playoff team or Uh, finishing fourth place so far this season, 27 and 10. They won the Norway cup one elite in their last event so far on the season, though, big stat for me, they're scoring almost eight points a game, 7.8 a game with a steal of 0.28. So they're playing aggressively, putting up a lot of points on the board, trying to put pressure on their opponents. But, no big wins for Stefan Walstad in the past few years. Perhaps that changes this week. But uh, Jonathan, what do you think their outlook is?
0: Um, so they beat Schwaller. This was Basel Cup. <laughs> so there you go. It's like a close game, six five, could have gone either way. They lost to Mao at six to four. So, and that that's probably that's probably tells you where they're at. Like they can they can mm-hmm. beat the top teams in this pool, but aren't kind of a lock for it. If that makes sense. Yep. I so I'd say they're I got what are they? They're just outside the top ten right now, probably like eleventh or twelfth. Probably yeah, that'd be my that guess. Kind of oh, yeah, I'd, right. I'd put
1: them in the ten to twenty range. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's that's probably where they are. I, in my mind, it's kind of a clear top four, then Norway, and then a bunch of teams in the middle, and then the two teams that came up from the B. So I'd probably say, yeah. slightly ahead of Germany, but uh, still a pretty strong team and certainly capable of making the playoffs.
1: Well, that's interesting because I don't have Germany next uh, at all in this. They're they're going to be sort of next next after that, uh, but they're not next. Ah. I have Mikel Krauss next uh, on my list. Oh, Uh,
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, four and five last year to finish fifth. Uh, They were, even though they were four and five, they were outscored by 13. So won the close games, got blown out in a few. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, you guys are friends with Mads. So what kind of intel? Do you have on them so far this year?
0: Oh, all right. Here's my all right. This is the gossip I picked up from them. Is because <laughs> they play in the Olympics. So in the Olympics, you got a swag bag. Okay. And apparently Airbnb was a major Olympic sponsor, so they got like a massive Airbnb credit. And that's that's been their biggest sponsor, is this Airbnb credit? They <laughs> can just go anywhere if they curl and their accommodation's paid for. So when I was talking about like, there's a big divide, like the, the Danish team's not super well funded. So even just getting to the Olympics, I think, helped them get a little bit more funding. But you can see a huge difference if you're like, I don't think um, some of the other teams, I, I can't see Nicholas Adin being excited about that. I think he's probably other, other <laughs> right. expenses are covered in a different way, right? Whereas for a team like Denmark, that thing is actually massive. Like, great, we've got multiple seasons of accommodation covered. So, right. And I think that actually does kind of play into some of the differences at this level, right? Is, is, can you devote, devote full time? Is your country able to get higher, like top quality coaching? Can you train at a facility with fantastic ice? Like all of those things actually, I think matter and often make the difference between being like top 10 in the world and, you know, being 20 to 50.
1: Wait, so every Olympian got a giant
0: Airbnb credit? I, I didn't, they didn't quite, they, they were just mentioning in passing. So you're like, are you staying at the hotel? I'm like, no. And then they said, this is why. And then I was like, oh, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I should try to go to the Olympics. I don't know.
1: <laughs> that's uh that's pretty cool. No. Like, like, come on. That's, that's, that's pretty spectacular. Like even, even like Gushu. So if Gushu got that, like that's still money that they don't have to spend out of their own pocket. Like that's. That's not bad. Also, there's yeah, like ten thousand Olympians. Like, that's a, a crazy amount of money.
0: Yeah, I think there's. I don't quite understand how it all. I, but yeah, I, apparently, there is like a lot of just crazy swag you get when you go to the Olympics, right? Just, <laughs> apparently it's apparently just like you know these shoes, this watch, this whatever, right? So, because um, I, I think that kind of goes with being a different kind of sponsor, or something. So they were just. I'm not sure if they got it as the Olympics or through Olympic sponsoring. I'm not quite clear how, but they said it was part of their Olympic thing. <laughs> so thanks. Nice.
1: All right. anyway, well, uh, a bit of funny
0: gossip so yeah uh I like yeah yeah so anyway <laughs> but it was also like it's funny that that like this is a, this is an Olympic you know athletes and like you know what I'm saying like to me it was kind of striking that that's you know that's kind of a big thing for them whereas if you were you know LeBron James I don't think cares about a ten thousand pound yeah. or whatever whatever yeah. how many dollar credit it is from uh Airbnb or whatever right, right. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. it was good, kind of, it was I was kind of
0: both like, I was both jealous and like charmed by the story.
1: Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Good, <laughs> good for them. And you know, I guess good for yeah. Danish curling too. Uh it sort of helps yeah. them a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so that's a, a great story there. Uh, now you mentioned the Germans earlier. So let's talk about Sixten Totsik and his team. They went three and six last year, eighth place did qualify for the world championship. You do have a new team this year where Dominic Grendel is the only returning player on the team from last year in the lead position. He has Claudius Harsh playing third, Magnus Suter playing second. I assume that's the brother of Joshua Suter, who is not on the team anymore, but is here as the alternate. Uh, So uh, in their last event, two and three missed the playoffs at that Swiss Cup. I don't know, uh, Jonathan, does Sixon Totsik uh, he's been around a while now. Is like someone who people think is like up and comer is going to make a, a jump. Does he do it now? Is is this the time for? It's in toxic in Germany.
0: Uh, I think so. Um, it's uh, it basically they've so they're a similar situation. I mean, I know Claudia S. Harsh, who's been on our episode before, and we had a good good chat. Um, and. Similar kind of thing. This is a team that's put together by the German Federation. They have a bit more funding. So they've got a slightly different model in Germany where if you're an Olympian or Olympic potential, you join the army because everyone's got to do compulsory military service. So you stay in the army, you do a bit of military training for about a month, a year, and then the rest of the time, the German army pays you to train in your sport. So they're basically able to dedicate full time and have had enough money to play so they're playing once so the reason I would put Germany slightly ahead of Denmark is Germany's been able to play at the masters level in Europe, which that's kind of the that's the European equivalent of the tournaments just below the slams. So that's where the Aden's, the Mallets, when they're not slamming, if they're based in Europe, they play Masters tier. Denmark's been playing the level that my team plays, which is like challenger tier, like we play what are called 100 or 300 level events, right? So that's, and they've, they've posted decent-ish results at those events, you know? So like, I don't think they're ready yet to go into that top four, but I, you know, they clearly got a plan to be in Italy at the end of the quad. That's kind of their, their goal. Um, so I, 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 for that reason, I kind of put them slightly ahead of Denmark. And again, it's, it's probably mostly just kind of, it sounds like Germany has slightly better funding than Denmark at the moment. So it's basically it. Although they're both good teams, like Krause, Tuna is a good lineup there.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, Claudius Harsh is just on the, he's the alternate on the, the uh, German junior team. So, right. Just had a good Yeah. Good he
1: looks like, there, like so. the, the yeah. pitcher, Claudio Harsh, they, they have a picture of him. Uh, on the world curling mm-hmm. website, he he looks like a guy who's like who who would be the I don't know like if you were doing like a German youth profile in a magazine, you're like oh Claudio Hart, he's going to be the pitcher on the front of it. Um, that's what yeah. he looks like to me, you know.
0: But, yeah, and he just won the bronze medal in the the mixed doubles, right? And he's still he was like this. He just left junior eligibility this year, right. so that's a really. Um, I think a really young, up and coming team in Europe. So definitely, definitely watch out for them.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's then move on to Lucas Klima and the Czech Republic team. They went four and five last year, seventh place, got them into the World Championship. Uh, so far this season, nine and eight. They went two and three at the Swiss Cup, missing the playoffs. There are tons of points in their games. Uh, they're averaging 7.34, giving up 7.01. Uh, again, so 14 points a game. You're getting your money's worth uh, if you watch a Lucas Klima game in terms of points, at least. Uh, I had a chance to talk with them a few times at the World Championship last year in Vegas. And uh, Savile as well, who was there coaching them. They're optimistic. Right? Even when they got crushed in a couple of games, they came off the ice and were optimistic. Uh, we're, we're taking each game as a learning opportunity, uh, trying to get better, more arena ice uh, with a, a long-term goal. Of twenty twenty six as a lot of these teams have. But I, I don't know what the feasibility of it is, but certainly, I think if for whatever reason they don't qualify for a world championship this week, that will be a huge disappointment.
0: I think they'll qualify for a world championship. I doesn't Ken Palm has some surprisingly high. I think let me see. He is about at thirty sixth in his rankings, um, whereas he has denmark sixty four. And I'm confusing Germany and Belgium and toxic <laughs> at 47. So of the three that I would have put all in a, a chunk, Ken Palm's rating says Klima's the strongest of the three. You know, I, I, these are s- small sample sizes in theory, the Bradley Terry method is supposed to kind of cut through that a bit, but I I think they're, I, I like the Klima team. I think that they, I like the fact they play an aggressive style, right? And I, that's yeah. always fun to watch. So uh, they're not they're bold. Um, you know, some of the other probably the stereotype with European curling is that it's, it tends towards very defensive style. So uh, not much risk taking for a lot of the countries, and you know, not much tactically interesting. But but Klima is, definitely doesn't fit that mold. Very aggressive.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. There was a couple of times last year in games that I was watching with the Worlds where I was like, maybe you should bail now, Lucas. Like, <laughs> a Peel would be helpful here. And uh, no, uh, let's throw another freeze or whatever. Like he was uh, fully uh, fully in on, on playing an aggressive side, which is great from an entertainment perspective. Uh, but, you know, sometimes yeah. you need to calm it down a little bit and throw Peel. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about the two teams that were promoted up from B last year. And I've taken them in order purely on what their records were at the B side and how they got into this. So let's start with Turkey and yugurkan Karagaz. I hope I said that right.
0: I think it's Karagash. Yeah,
1: Karagash. Uh, they went six yeah. and one in the B pool uh, in their pool play and the B side last year. During that event, they just crushed people. They scored eight point three a game, only gave up four point one. Uh, Jonathan, you played against him recently. Does he have a chance?
0: Yesterday. Uh, yeah, no, they're a good team. Uh, they really are. Um, and not just because they beat us, because bad teams beat us too. But um, <laughs> uh, no, the, the, I, I think – if there's a country to really make a breakout fix next cycle, as in like, you know, people like, why is this team in the world championship? In Turkey, both the men's and the women's, Dilsat Yildiz is a really good shot maker, too. Um, Karagash, you know, the full team's kind of really technically solid, strong sweeping. Um, don't miss much. Uh I'd say having both played against them and watched them play that weekend, this weekend, I think they're a step behind the elite when it comes to some of the tactics. Um, But um, I think that that's just a matter of them getting a bit more experience at this level, and they'll close the gap. So they will not be an easy match for any of the teams there let's put it that way like on, on shot making percentage they'll be up there with all the other
1: teams does arena matter though for them right this is going to be a slightly different surface than i imagine some of the surfaces that they have played on like like how much is that going to factor in do you think for them this week
0: i think okay so here's the weird thing about european national curling is and katagosh has played like He's basically been the Turkish skip either through juniors or men's for like a decade plus. So he's basically, I think most of the, they don't play much on tour, but but they train a lot at their facility in Turkey and then they play a lot of these kind of WCF events. And so that's, that's kind of, well, this is a WCF event. So it's, it's a pretty standard ice format with like about four feet of curl, 14 and a half second ice. So, um, and often the same stones shift from place to place. So they'll actually, they've, they've probably got a decade plus experience on this kind of ice, even if they're not known to the TSN crowd, let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's But I'm serious though. I think Turkey's close to a, a breakout. Like, you know what? I'm, like, I'm not sure who, I guess Italy was the surprise. Of the last quad. Right. But, yeah. and you know, maybe, maybe not quite a most most standard, but, like it's a country where I think that people might be like what well, you know, in the world's in the next couple of years kind of thing. They're they're taking it seriously and have, have ambitions. Yeah.
1: And and as you say too, like if you look at all of the disciplines and maybe not even the Olympic disciplines, if you look at say the world mixed championship too, uh where you can combine the best of the men's and the women's players. All right that that that's a place where they can make some hey they've they've had some success in the mixed doubles as well so uh it's it's that finding the full lineup of four on both the men's and the women's side and we saw Yilda's last year at the worlds where she was great, but she was trying to bail out so many times uh where the team was in bad shape at the end of ends uh so it's really just getting the entirety yeah. of the lineup set in the
0: four person game yeah, yeah, and I actually think they are pretty strong front to back um on the
1: shot making. And uh, yeah, we'll certainly find out this week. And then the final team, Sergio Vez and the Spanish side, they went six and one last year. They actually lost to Turkey in the semifinal, but they are here because Russia is not. Russia would have had the final spot or whatever the world curling federation decided to call the players from Russia. Uh, But they are not here. The world curling federation Uh, has continued its uh, prohibition on Russian players at least until the end of this calendar year. I would expect that to continue, barring any major changes in the situation in Europe. Uh, So we get the Spanish side here. If you're not familiar with Sergio Vez, he does have some success. Won a silver medal at the 2018 World Mixed Championships as a skip. Bronze medal in the twenty fourteen mixed doubles world championship. So there's a bit of a pedigree to Sergio Vez. He's played in this event for a while. He's won the C division before. He obviously was in the B last year. Jonathan, can he win a game in the A pool?
0: Yeah, they can win a game. I mean, Sergio's a very good shooter. Uh I think the the depth on the team's probably a bit thin for the A level. Um So they may not, I I would be surprised if they stayed up. I I would probably pick, I probably will pick them to go down. Um, uh, Spoiler alert, but, uh, (laughs) but they're, they're not, um, they're not like an automatic win for like any of the teams there. And they've been playing on tour and getting a lot of experience. So, you know, they, if they have a good week, I could see them maybe squeaking and staying up, but uh, I think I'd be a bit of, that would be a big breakthrough for them. I think there's still a, a pretty significant gap between them and the, the rest of the A pool, most of them, I'm just pulling up their thing on Ken Palm, like they don't, they've played a few A pool teams this year and don't have any wins against them. So uh their wins have all been against B pool teams.
1: So it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be tough sledding for them, but cool to see Spain here, right? I mean, obviously you'd rather there not be a war uh, taking place, but it is cool that uh, that Spain is is here and uh, in the A pool get uh, some exposure against some high level teams. So uh, so good for Sergio Vez and his team to uh, to be in the A.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Uh, well, Jonathan. Uh, so those are the ten teams in the A. As I said, eight are going to the World Championship. Two are going down. The bad beer bet returns. I think we've only won it once in however many times we've done this. So uh, hopefully we can win again. I'm not sure if the pan continental championship counts to this uh, I thought it did but who knows I will now advocate that it doesn't because uh my mom's picks weren't the greatest so uh let's uh I didn't even make uh, picks
0: did I Oh great I then it doesn't count then it's out Yeah then it's out <laughs> uh,
1: So uh so we'll do playoff teams we'll start with A we'll we'll get we'll move on to B in a second but let's do A first uh I'll have you can go first on the A. I'll go first on the B potentially, so that we're not sort of just copying each other. Uh, but who are your four playoff teams in the A pool?
0: Four in the A. Uh oh. All right. I will go Ericsson for sure. So Sweden, Italy definitely in, Switzerland. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go out on a limb and pick Wallstad to pipe Maui. So that's my okay. my upset.
1: All right. I like that. Uh, I am going to go with the three S teams of Scotland, Sweden, Switzerland, uh, and then I will also take an off-the-board potential pick. Uh, And I'll I'll go with Germany. You kind of talked me into Germany uh, in and Totsik, so uh, I'll I'll sort of go there. Uh, And I'll I'll go first on who goes down here uh, because I think it's relatively simple. I don't expect anything crazy to happen, so I'm going to go with Turkey and Spain to go straight down.
0: All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Denmark and Spain, and take Turkey to stay up, mostly okay. for ego purposes because we lost. Turkey, <laughs> so I want them to stay up so that it looks better for us.
1: Right. <laughs> all right, uh, I'll take it. Right. it. Whatever the reason is, you know, it. Uh, I'm, I'm in on. <laughs> so uh, all right. Uh, so that's the A side. Let's we'll move on to the B side. Sixteen teams in play here. There will be two pools of eight round robin play and then into a playoff format. Two teams will be promoted up to the B side. The two teams who are in this after being in the A last year are Netherlands and Wouter Goskins and then Finland and Kali Kiskinen. Uh, some other teams that, Jonathan, you're familiar with, but let's start with those two of Netherlands and Finland. Mm. Are they the odds on favorite to? Move back up to A,
0: uh, definitely the Netherlands. They're, if you just go off ratings, they'd be mid table in the A pool, I think. So, I think that'll be like you know, fox in the hen house kind of thing. I, right. I do think, looking at the groupings, I also think group B is basically the group of death. It's like it looks a little uneven to me, okay, uh, compared to group A. So... Okay, so what are oh, they? What, what is group? Like, internet. what is Group
1: B though? Like, who's who's there?
0: Austria, solid. Belgium, who've come up from C recently, but play a lot on the European tour and are improving. France, uh, France is. They're they're solid, but I just I think actually this group's so deep they might go down. Um, Hungary is pretty strong. They got Zolt, Zoltan Kiss, who's like, you know, former gold medalist and mixed doubles throwing last stones there. Latvia, another kind of one of these European kind of tour teams, Martin Tuduksen's putting a lot of work into it. Then Van Dorp, Portugal, which sounds like, you know, one of these new teams, but it's, it's mostly Canadian based curlers coached by Dan Raphael. Uh, so <laughs> 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 uh, if you know, if you know, kind of the coaching scene, he's kind of one of the top kind of, super coaches out there so uh and then slovenia stefan saver who's kind of also we've had him on the podcast he's a pretty pretty strong curler too so that's like that's like a deep deep pool Uh, it's it doesn't seem as balanced to me as the a pool so
1: okay anyway (laughs) all right uh so yes then on the a side that leaves teams like uh then what england estonia ireland uh Ukraine, Wales, yeah, that does see oh, you're right. That does seem kind of imbalanced there. Yeah, all those uh, other countries. So you you've played a bunch of these teams. Uh, is there anyone that, okay, let let's put it out there. You're rooting for England uh, to get promoted. Yeah. You want them to be promoted so that you can win the English championships, and the next year you're playing in the A pool, right? So let's just establish that yeah. uh, off the top that you're fully oh, yeah, biased. Yeah, that you want that you want. <laughs> <laughs> that you want the team, you want uh, Andrew and his team, Andrew Woolston and the team, to have a great week this week, and then show up at the English National Championships like hungover or something from having a great week that they they yeah. just don't recover from yeah, it, I... uh, so that that you can get that. <laughs> uh, but what yeah. what what do you think their chances are? Anyone else who you, who you're familiar with, um, you, know, you know, what is your expectation for the B pool?
0: Okay, so I think I think Netherlands is significantly stronger. I think that also oddly because Russia and Belarus were struck like taken off and Spain went up, that also kind of cleared out another thing. So I think actually it's it's Goskin's team for sure going back up. And then I think there's a lot of teams fairly equal. I think you're right, Finland's probably a little bit favored. But the if I'm in group A, right, if I'm, if I'm Woolston or a team, a similar team, I think it's like, have a good week, make the playoffs, and then just win the, the, the two games you have to win to get to the A pool, right? That's yeah. the plan. Um, the group B is definitely group of death, because like, I think, <laughs> I think it'd be tough, you know, uh, there's about five teams there that I could see grabbing the other two spots besides Van Dorp pretty easily. A side... It's I think actually I think I could see England making playoffs. I think there then it gets a bit touch and go, I think, because um, then they they're they're playing a crossover against Netherlands, which would be tough. Um, probably Finland's the top in Group A. Um, the as we call them the home nation. so Ireland, Wales, and England are all, I'd say pretty even standard. and they all they play each okay. other a lot in kind of uk based bonds fields, So I could see any of those three kind of sneaking in. Estonia is, if I'm picking like a team that they do like sneaky good, the two sneaky good teams would be Estonia, I think, who've been touring a lot, getting decent results. And they've brought in Derek Brown, former US. So they got a gold medalist coach there, former US national high performance coach is working with them. That's, you know, got a top level coach like that and take it seriously. You'll you'll make some progress. So uh, they could kind of have a good week. And I think Belgium and the B pool is probably a team that other people who aren't kind of following European B group curling as closely as me might not think of, but I think they're kind of building towards something. Definitely.
1: All right. Uh, well, you, you've spoiled one of your picks with the Netherlands. I also will have the Netherlands going ahead. I'm going to pick Hungary as my second team, uh, with kiss. And as you say, it had some success uh, at other disciplines. So I'm going to go with them as my second team to get the spot, but. Who do you have as the final participant in next year's Euros?
0: I'm going to go Estonia. I'll pick Estonia. And I think it's it's mostly because of the pool groups. I can see them making playoffs, and I think they're good enough to pull off those two wins you need to. So,
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, who goes down from the B?
0: Oh, God, that's painful. <laughs> 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 I... I feel okay. I feel really bad saying okay. I think if I'm being honest, I me get well. All right, the two that I, if I'm being 100 percent honest, it's probably Ukraine, which is painful because they're doing a lot of stuff, and obviously the story is quite sad. But I just don't think they're quite at this level yet. And then actually Stefan Saver, who I think I like a lot, I think he's actually a good friend of mine. He gives a lot of effort, but I, I think he's just drawn the group of death here, and that's like that's it's a tough, tough pool he's in.
1: So So that's my two
0: for relegation, unfortunately.
1: Uh, Yeah, so Ukraine and Slovenia. I'm going to agree on Ukraine. Uh, Yeah, great story. Uh, You guys have talked about it on your show uh, before, the situation with the Ukrainian curling. Go check out that episode. But, yeah, it's going to be tough sledding for them. And I'm going to go with Wales as the other team that gets uh, relegated for really no other reason other than uh, my friend Emily studied in Wales. And, uh, yeah. Didn't like it. it.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, my I've my heard question things. is, I've... why is it called whales if there's a dragon on the flag? That's my perpetual question. <laughs> should it be called Dragons?
1: It should. It really should. Question. Yeah.
0: I don't. Yeah. I don't get <laughs> it. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so there it is. Our, our picks on the A and B side. These will be combined, of course, with what Scott and Ryan come up with on. The women's side for the bad beer bet, uh, total points. Uh, so it's one point for each thing you got correct. Bonus point if you got the winner correct, which means we actually have to make our winner picks to, uh, to get that bonus point. We forgot to do that. Oh, yeah. Who wins, uh, Jonathan? Who, who's your European champion for 2022?
0: I'm going to go Retornas.
1: All right. So you're going with the Italians. I'm going with uh, Sweden. Like... Uh, again, Oscar is really, really good. So uh, I'll go with them to win. And uh, with those two picks, then uh, I guess uh, congratulations, Janik Schwaller, on your 2022 European championship victory. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we have established that there's no beer Ryan won't drink. So do you, like if we lose this year, uh, I'm kind of feeling like this law of just means we're going to lose. So <laughs> what beer are you going to punish Ryan with?
1: So it's it's interesting, right? Yeah, it's hard to get something bad for Ryan, but he has talked about how he's not big on the really hoppy stuff. So I, I think yeah. we'll have to go with something that, like, that Scott and I probably might like, and do like a triple IPA or something, or even like a quad IPA that will <laughs> will really be hoppy and get him. Plus, you know, as a you know, father of two young children, he probably doesn't get a lot of sleep, so. Like, even like two sips of it would might be dangerous. Uh, you know, you'd have to have it late at night and just put them right to bed almost.
0: Yeah, all right, that's good. I think that's the right call like, a bad hoppy IPA sour or something, something.
1: Yeah, and then you know, I, I was in uh England a little bit. Uh, I had COVID while I was there. I followed all the hubli- public health oh, protocols no. uh in the spring, which were no public health protocols, but I have did more than that. Um, but because I was. Basically, not able to do anything. I tried some English beers, uh, some of which I did not care for. So I feel like I can actually uh, find a, a bad English beer based on that experience uh, for you, Jonathan.
0: What, what, what did you try that you didn't like?
1: I'd have to look it up on Untapped. It was a lot of like uh, house brandy stuff. The other thing, uh, too, that I I just I maybe it's just me. I don't like that. So many English beers in English pubs are nitro pours. I just really don't like nitro pours, like at all.
0: That's the style here, though.
1: Yeah, maybe that's why I didn't like any of the beers I tried because so many <laughs> of them were nitro.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, what, what do you have? Like, do you have Cascade or not? Are you a Cascade guy or not really?
1: No, I don't like those. No,
0: like the room temperature bitter. No,
1: no, no can't do it.
0: No, no. I mean, I think I think that actually. British American style IPAs are not that good. And it's a weird thing cause it's Americans trying to do a British style beer but make it cold and American and it's being brought back here. Right. And it's not that good. And I had a friend who's a brewer explain it to me about water. Something about, we have like very hard water. That's bad for IPAs but good for bitters. Oh, interesting. So, anyway. All right. Yeah. But yeah, so if you're not a bitters guy, yeah, I, I don't think anything that's, there's a couple of brands that have kind of got it but I that I'll drink but it, it's whenever I'm back in North America, I much prefer a hoppy North American IPA for sure.
1: Yeah, me too. And uh, and again, like cold is nice. I'm a fan of that. Um, and yeah. yeah, not a nitro pour. So I've had 33 English beers according to my untapped here. Whoa. Uh, so, you know, that feels like enough that I could find one that I've had that I did not like. Um, Neck Oil. I didn't care for Neck Oil by Beaverton.
0: I like that one.
1: Yeah. Uh, Wells IPA. That was another one.
0: Haven't had that.
1: Oh, Main Brace.
0: Never had that.
1: Is Asda a store? Like ASDA? What's ASDA? It's
0: basically our version of Walmart. Yeah.
1: Okay. So it's their house brand beer. So
0: the right? Asda house beer. <laughs> their <Yeah>. house beer. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that would that yeah. would probably not be that good.
1: So there you go. Yeah. We'll find we'll find something. Yeah. Hopefully we All right. win. Because uh, the, the problem is, if we lose again, there's like no bad beers in Ottawa that we have accessible to us that we haven't ad- had to drink so far. Like, we're like out of bad beers because we've lost bad. so much. Well, we've lost so much.
0: Isn't this got to be like, is Wildcat still inexistent or, or not?
1: Oh, I have no idea. You
0: remember this beer? No. That was Wildcat. like when I was an undergrad. So it's back. <laughs> Wildcat was the cheapest. I think it was. I think it was. You could only get it in an eighteen pack. of can And it was the cheapest thing you get. To look at that nerve. So it was like, okay. you know, <laughs> when you're eighteen and poor, right? That's what you drink. Yeah. But it's not um, a good beer.
1: Right. Well, it's on. It's on Untapped here. Wildcat. It's got another 2. another old timey
0: Canadian classic, Lucky Lager. Is that still going? I've
1: yes. I've Lucky I've Lager. heard of Lucky Lager. Going. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume that you could find that.
0: Yeah. That was, they had that in my curling club. It was the worst beer at my curling club.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Well, Jonathan, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, If you have not yet, do subscribe to Rocks Across the Pond, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Give them all the likes, the ratings, the comments. We ask you to do the same for us as well. You can visit us at GameOfStonesPod.com, all of our past episodes, plus link to the merch, proceeds to the Sandra Schmurler Foundation, and... Food Banks Canada, we, of course, match all those. You can follow along everything we got going on at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter, assuming Twitter still exists by the time you listen to this, uh, and Instagram, Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook. You can reach out, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. Jonathan, for you guys, uh, anything else you guys want to promo, direct people over to Rocks Across the Pond? Uh, Anything else you got going on?
0: At Curling Podcast on Twitter. Very exciting.
1: Yeah. You got the best handle of all the shows.
0: No one thought to take curling podcast except for Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's way too on Twitter. So, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's smart. And uh, I should say too, uh, you had a book come out uh, recently, and you slagged it off on your show. Is like no one's ever going to read it, but someone's yeah. going to read it, and that's fun. A book, congratulations. Have you gotten any royalty checks so far?
0: I have. Well, I got my last. <laughs> Right. A, I got my my latest royalty statement for the last quarter for my book from 10 years ago. 53 cents is my royalties. Nice. <laughs> so the last quarter. So it's like One person somewhere in the world bought my book, 11-year-old book, and I'm thankful to whoever that person is. So thank you. <laughs> uh, the new book's not out yet. Uh, I just got an email today that it's in production. So hopefully you, it won't be... It won't be ready for Christmas 2022. I know everyone's disappointed, but hopefully, hopefully, early 2023.
1: Yeah, very nice, very exciting, and uh, yeah, I mean, a book—it's still a big deal. I mean, it's a lot of work, and you put it all in. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of work. So, congratulations.
0: Thanks. It is a lot of work, and by the end of writing a book, you hate the book. (laughs) I don't know if you've you've published a couple of books, right? Do you feel that way too at the end of the process, or?
1: Um, or no, well, it it sort of varies. Like for me, I hate, there were parts of the process that I hated. So by the time the book came out and it was just, all right, we're doing a launch and like, you're sort of celebrating that. I was, I didn't, I don't hate the book or the content. I did hate like not, maybe not the people, but maybe. Like some of the way the people acted at times, and not not the people who I was co-authors with, but like the on the back end of it. But yeah, I, I can see I can see what you're saying. It's it's more fun to have had written than it is to write, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think when it comes out, I think I'm in like the worst part, which is like yeah. page I just keep getting sent these. Like I haven't got the page proofs yet. It's like okay. Uh, This is basically everything in 2022 is online. So it's all metadata. So I had to basically create this giant spreadsheet for each chapter of keywords and like chapter summaries. And it's like you just don't, you get to a point with a book and you just don't want to look at it anymore. And then you've got to look at it for something that's not even interesting. And it actually takes a lot of thought to do that, which, you know, anyway. So I'm kind of in the yeah. grumpy stage. Once once it's actually a physical object, I think I'll be like happy, and then there'll be a chance to promote it, and I'll probably then read it again and be like, ah, it's not as bad as I feared or whatever. And right. you know, you know how it goes with these things.
1: There you go. A little book talk at the end of the at the end of the show. So uh, enjoy the curling, everybody. We'll be back with you again next week. Uh, Be sure to check out Rocks Across the Pond. Ryan and Scott will be going through the women's fields and we'll be alongside to follow everything as we go through the week and the follow-up to see who wins the bad beer bet. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert. Make the final.